Greg Vaccaro, and Happy Easter, everyone. It's great to have you here. You know, we're in our series, Death to Life, and this is the final message, right? Because this is the morning that we celebrate Jesus as our risen Savior, amen? Um, We've been having real stories of resurrection power. It's people from our own body. If you've been here the past couple weeks, it's just been tremendous to listen to to stories of Stephen and Holly and and what God has brought them through, to listen to Alexis Papagiris, to to listen to Heidi Karras last week. If, If you've missed any of these stories, you know, the Word of God says this, that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. So, so these are testimonies of people here in our midst, and we're going to hear one more this morning. And, and we believe, you know, as, as pastors and elders, that this is how we bring life, that we share stories, real stories. They're, they're not always happy ending stories. Sometimes they are. But, but real stories of, all right, this is how faith, this is what faith looks like. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a real story, and I've titled my message, Disqualified. Because what we're going to see from Scripture today is, is something that maybe, maybe a few of us can, can relate to. That there's times in our lives where, you know what, we, we all think that we do such a great job, but like what would happen if our belief system all of a sudden got disqualified? Right? Any of you ever grow up, I know I grew up thinking that, hey, you know what, it's my good works that are going to get me into heaven. If I try to do good every day, I try to be right by people, I try to pay it forward, right? All these things that, that we're taught. But is it good works that gets us into heaven? We're going to be looking at that this morning. So I'd like to begin with a story from Scripture. If there was ever a person that we could look at and say, you know what, disqualified. This might be one that we'd look at in Scripture Um, And we're going to start this morning by reading in Mark 16, verses 1 to 4. And it says this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On their way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. So let's just consider what's going on this morning. We've got three women. They're heading to the tomb to, to do what? To do what's, what's normal and customary at that time, to anoint the body with spices. They were, they were there. They saw Jesus' body taken down. They, they were there when the men, you know, had to, to lay his body in the tomb that Joseph provided for them. They were there when they saw how many guys it took to get this huge stone. I don't know where they got it from, if it was nearby. Maybe it was put there uh, when, they, when they bought the, the cave. But they knew how many men it took to roll the stone. And they're, they're walking, going how are we ever going to move this stone? Well, you know, we're just going to trust God. Maybe there'll be some people around early morning. I don't know how many people are up that time of day. Maybe, you know, that's customary. They're, they're going to be out and about. But they get there. They see that the stone has been rolled away. And then the story continues that they enter the tomb and they see a young man. So this is the three women. They, they enter the tomb. They see a young man and he's dressed in a white robe. And he was an angel. And he says this to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. So like this angel's clued in. He's reading their mail. I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. 
And look, this is where they laid his body. So, so now the angel's showing them and giving them proof. Look, here's the stone that they had laid him on. Here's the grave clothes. The body's not here. Now go and tell his disciples. So the woman flee from the tomb. You know what? I think I would be freaked out. <laughs> I'm looking for a dead man's body and the dead man's not there. I'd be like, ah! Right? You've got to freak in a moment like that. They flee from the tomb, trembling, bewildered. They said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And now we pick up the story again in verse 9. And it says, after Jesus rose from the dead, early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he'd cast out seven demons. All right, why does it tell us this detail about Mary? Right, there was many people that, that Jesus could have, could have presented himself to that morning. But he presents himself to Mary and it says, the woman he'd cast out seven demons. Now, I probably venture a guess that you don't know too many people that have seven demons in them. Am I right? Right? I don't know anyone with seven demons or someone that used to have seven demons. So, so what does that look like? Let's try to get a picture. I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show The Chosen. Right? But, but in that TV show, they depict Mary. And, and they depict her while she's demon-possessed. And, and you know what? It's not a pretty sight to, to watch her. It's kind of freaky, actually, to see how, how that all looks and, and whatnot. And, and in that show, the high priest, they call him to try to exorcise her, right? So, so he goes to, to pray over Mary, and he gets nowhere. Like, these demons just kind of run him out, and, and he comes back, and it's like, it's a hopeless case. Like, this, she's too far gone, right? So as this story develops... They find out that they come back to him. Other, other people in the congregation come back to the high priest and they say, wow, like you're amazing. You need to bring this testimony. He's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, the person you prayed for, Mary, like she's in her right mind. And he knows while he was with her, nothing happened, right? So, so he's like, I've got to go find this person and understand what happened. They're looking to me like I did something, but, but I didn't do anything. So he finally finds her, and, and she doesn't want to admit who she is, and, and he's trying to discern, hey, you're the person I prayed for. She doesn't even really remember him coming. But he's like, Mary, what happened to you? And she's like, I don't know. I met a man, and I, and I got delivered. Well, well, who is the man? I don't even know his name. Now, this is just a, it's an illustration that the TV series gives us. That's not written into to the Word of God. But I, I think it's a great picture for us this morning of, of who Mary was. And how she lived her life. And, and even the high priest, he had no idea how she had been set free. But as she goes about her, her gathering, like she's going to have Sabbath for the first time at her house. There's a, like this cloud that she's living with of, all right, I, I've not experienced all this because I've been demon possessed. And, and now I'm trying to come out of it. So, so this is the one that Jesus chooses to present himself to. And it says, she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping. And told them what happened. And when she told them that Jesus was alive and she'd seen him, they didn't believe her. So with that, I'm going to pause the story. And I'm going to invite Ben Hires to come up here. Um, Ben's going to share his testimony. Ben is, in, is married to Jill. They've been married for 13 years. They've got two beautiful children. Um, in business, Ben's the president of a financial planning company in our church. He's an elder. He's a small group leader. Uh, he and Jill both are involved in children's ministry. He serves in the food ministry. They're active in pre-marriage counseling. So by all accounts, Ben is respected, both in business and in the church. 
But Ben's story, just like Mary Magdalene's story, is one of redemption. So that's why I've asked Ben to just take a few moments. Um, We're actually going to do this interview style. That's why Ben's putting out the chairs. So uh, let me get my notes. Yeah. So Ben, good morning. Good morning, Oprah. Um, (laughs) Good morning, Oprah. Nice. You know, I was hoping that you'd see this as uh, like, you know, an Oprah interview, although I really don't look anything like Oprah. But I'm I'm um, Megan. What's that? Megan Markle over here. (laughs) Yeah, you're Mary. Okay. Um, So, Ben, how old were you when you started your faith journey? So, um, my faith journey probably starts with mom and dad. Um, Pastor Ed is uh, my father, for those who may not know. Um, But uh, they came to the Lord uh, just a little bit before I was born. Um, And then then I... uh, accepted Christ, like through, you know, saying a prayer with, you know, mom and dad, uh, you know, at my bedside when I was, there's a little debate. It's between three and four years old. So That's between okay. three, and, three and four years old. We got and it. then around six, um, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and Wonderful. Uh, spoke in tongues. So, yeah. Wonderful. Yep. So, Ben, you came to the Lord at an early age. And you know what? I know there's, there's probably uh, people here that have, have come to, to know Jesus at a very young age. How was it going through the teenage years, right? Did you stay strong in your faith? Did you ever struggle in your faith? What was it like? Yeah, so, I mean, definitely, you know, some struggles. But in general, I would say pretty, you know, pretty solid faith. Like, you know, uh, of course, accepted the Lord, you know, each year at summer camp or whatever, uh, you know, the, 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 the flavor was. Um, you know, all through, um, you know, kind of high school, you know, believed in God. I definitely had, you know, moments of, crisis of faith and that sort of thing where mm-hmm. I might have, um, you know, struggled. A lot of it was around relationships and other things like that that really kind of stirred up, you know, a lot, of, a lot of thoughts and things like that. But for the most part, really, you know, followed after the Lord, you know, all the way even into college. That's wonderful. Teenage years are tumultuous, right? If, if you can make it through the teenage years, continuing to have faith, that's awesome. So what happened, what happened after college? Um, all right. So uh, graduating college, I uh, met a girl through uh, Campus Crusade, um, you know, fell in love, uh, got engaged, uh, asked, uh, asked her to marry me. Mm-hmm. Um, we got uh, pre-marriage counseling through uh, Meg and Greg. Um, so oh, we I know went them. to, you know, some, <laughs> some, of the, some of the best in the business. Right. And, um, and uh, then we moved down to New Jersey um, and, uh, and, and ended up down there. Um, and, you know, started a life kind of living, uh, you know, our, our own life. We did. We found a local church down there, um, which was, um, you know, a, a, a decent church. Um, and for a while, uh, you know, things were, things were going pretty well. It was, uh, it, it was good. Um, we uh, had some neighbors who were, you know, pretty big partiers. And we actually, you know, kind of viewed it as like, okay, this is our chance to, you know, share our faith. Mm-hmm. And so um, they kind of went from where they were to like, you know, going on Sunday afternoon drives with us and kind of started walking away a little bit from, you know, some of that. Um, but, uh, one of the things that you, um, have oft quoted and I've heard, uh, said before is, uh, you know, if you're not paddling, then, and you just stop, then you start to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. You float downstream. And so, um, that started to happen. Um, it was very slow, very gradual. Um, but you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, like it'd be tough to go to church and do this other thing that we want to do. So like, maybe we'll just, you know, miss, miss a week. And, um, 
one of these neighbors that we had gotten close to, um, you know, he was building a deck and invited me over. We worked all day outside and then it was like, Hey, you want a beer? And it was hot. So I, you know, grabbed a beer and, you know, then the next weekend it was like, we're not building a deck, but you want a beer. And so I had a beer mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. you know, a couple beers. And so it, it was this gradual thing where, um, you know, slowly but surely we were kind of, you know, floating, uh, floating downstream. So, so what happened? What did you do? Did you try to come back to God or did you fall further from God? So um, I know one of the things that was big that we didn't really have was that Christian community kind of, you know, in, in a church. And so, um, you know, that like looking back, um, you know, we, we didn't really, um, you know, get plugged in in that way. Um, but I felt pretty good about where my life was at. So I'll be honest, I was pretty, um, you know, naive to what was going on. I actually remember, I shared this with you the other day, distinctly, we got one of those flyers for the family life weekend to remember in the mail. And I remember the marriage conference. Mm -hmm. And I remember Mm -hmm. looking at it and saying like, you know, why would I need to go to another one of these? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's, you know, going great. And like, I'm really feeling like everything's going great. And I remember throwing it in the trash can. Um, And unfortunately, about a a month later, um, you know, my wife came home and said, hey, I kissed a guy at work. And it was just Mm. devastating. Um, I was, uh, you know, embarrassed. Um, It was one of those moments, uh, you know, where you just, you know, I'll always remember kind of where I was and, and how I felt. And, you know, she apologized. And while I forgave her, I didn't really, um, I didn't want to talk about it. Like, and, and I didn't really want to go through any sort of, like, you know, real reconciliation or discussion on what was, what, why we were where we were. And so it was like, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg, but we just kind of pushed it down into the water. I, I pushed it down into the water. And was like, let's just move on and let's just pretend, you know, this never happened. Mm-hmm. So, so in that moment, Ben, like, it's obviously a Christian thing to do to forgive. Um, did that help? Did, did you, were you able to move forward in a, in a better direction then? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, so uh, a couple months later, um, we ended up um, kind of back in the same situation. Um, it was different person, um, you know, different, different set of circumstances, but, um, it was, uh, you know, obviously, you know, something that we didn't deal with, um, in the right way in that moment. And just to be clear, like I take, you know, responsibility for who I should have been as like, you know, a a husband in that situation, um, not, not doing what, you know, not initiating the way I should have, not, not um, being uh, who I should have been. Um, but what followed was just a really terrible, terrible period in my life. Um, I remember, um, you know, she moved out um, and took the vast majority of everything that we owned. And so I remember uh, sitting, I had this ginormous couch. I, when we when I bought it, mm-hmm. I, I bought one long enough that I could lay all the way, like, end to end. Um, and, and so uh, I think it was because she couldn't figure out how to get it out of the house <laughs> that it was, it was left there. But I remember sitting on that couch, staring at where, like, my TV and my Xbox had once been. And just thinking, like, okay, you know, two months ago, I felt like I was really, like, I had it all. You know, I had, you know, money in the bank and, you know, possessions. And I was just back to below you know, zero. Um, and, mm. uh, and, and that was just, you know, a, a, a very devastating time, um, yeah. you know, in my life. 
So what did you do next? Did you stay in New Jersey? Um, no, I, uh, I, I came back. Uh, I, I did for a while, um, but the, the challenge was, you know, most of the people that were down there um, were, you know, a couple friends that we had, and, you know, she had kind of gone off, but I was left with all our couple friends who, of course, were more than happy to have me come hang out with them, but I was, you know, the single guy um, with all the couple friends. Um, and so, you know, I started looking, you know, for jobs. Um, in the midst of this, um, God just thankfully, you know, drew me to my knees. I know there's people who, when they go through tough things, like they curse God or whatnot. And I'm not going to say, by the way, that I didn't have my moments. Um, trust me. Um, but um, for the most part, like God drew me to my knees in the period of that in that time. Um, it was like you know, you open the Bible and every verse just seems to be mm-hmm. like written mm-hmm. about you. Um, you sing songs and it's just like, oh, like every, I mean that. Um, there is nothing song like I every, like just singing it today in the context of remembering what I was walking through. It's like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, how how, yeah. how much um, how much you walked through for, with me. So, Ben, I, I remember you came back to New Hampshire. You came back to this church, a church you grew up in. Um, but this time you were single. This time you were divorced. What was that like? Um, it was hard. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, having grown up uh, around many of the people of, uh, you know, both, I was like the first baby dedicated back in the day at faith. Um, so like, you know, I, I had always known this faith community of people that knew me, which is wonderful. Um, but at the same time, um, it was hard. Like, I mean, everybody knew I had gotten married, knew I had been living down in New Jersey and all of a sudden I show up and it's just me. Um, and so, I mean, it was definitely a tough period where I felt, you know, pretty alone. Um, I don't think people were judging me, but I felt judged. Um, you know, uh, you know, I know that the, the word that you used was, you know, disqualified, but I mean, I, I definitely felt like, okay, who am I to like, you know, come. And so, I mean, I went through some, you know, tough periods even, you know, after, you know, coming back, uh, you know, up, up here. Um, but you know, I, I will say that, you know, God's grace and redemption, you know, kind of began in that period. And, um, you know, there were definitely moments where, um, you know, I began to feel like God, you know, tugging on my heart again. And um, he hadn't, you know, kind of left me. But, um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a tough season. It was a, it was a, a season of, um, you know, struggle to, mm-hmm. to kind of walk through some of that. So what would you say today, Ben, to someone that may be in pain, that, you know, things may seem hopeless, um, what encouragement would you offer them? So, like, I guess the first thing is that um, it's okay to to be in pain. Um, like, I know that wasn't necessarily in something that we talked about, but that that's something that's, like, I think important for me is, like, if you're going through something, like, it's okay. Like, you can't, mm-hmm. you don't just have to pretend like it's okay. Um, it, it's all right to be struggling and, 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 and to go through that. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, dad uh, spoke to me about during that time is, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, you know, it takes a long time sometimes to work through that. I mean, there were, you know, weeks, months, even years later where, you know, you know, certain times and memories would, you know, pop up and it all comes rushing back. Um, so I, I think it's okay um, to, to, to feel the pain and, and, and to go through that. Um, but I mean, certainly, you know, and this is my testimony, like, you know, the fact that God comes chasing after you, the fact that God genuinely cares about you when you're in that period of time, um, the fact that, um, you know, you're not disqualified, the fact that, like, he has a plan and a purpose, um, 
you know, it's tough. I mean, obviously with divorce, like that's like a terrible thing. And, you know, I, you know, you and I talked, I mean, theologically, I know, you know, God does not intend, you know, to have divorce, but at the same time, like, I know God is after your heart. And so like, he will go after your heart, you know, at, and, and I'd almost say like at, at any cost. And so I, I knew that God was after me. Um, you know, I'm glad, um, you know, at, at some level that I went through this. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. I, I wish yeah. I didn't have to have gone through it. Um, but, you know, as you said at the beginning, like God has restored and blessed me way beyond anything that I could have ever thought or imagined or, 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 or hoped for. Um, and it's through his grace and it's through who he is that, um, that I know, you know, and, and that song, one of the things that it talked about is like, you know, kind of how that's always now in my memory. And it's just like, you know, I know it's not because of who I am. It's not because of what I do, but that mm-hmm. like, he mm-hmm. loves me, that he chased mm-hmm. after me that, that so, and it's totally changed who I am and who I can be in ministry because I think I used to be pretty black and white. Like, you know, there's right and there's wrong and you make good decisions and everything just goes well. And, um, and, and maybe that's true, but, but it certainly doesn't often, you know, life doesn't often manifest in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ben, you're, you're a blessing to, to our church. You're a blessing to me personally. Thank you for sharing your testimony. Um, so let's give it up for Ben. You know, it's, it's often said that we rejoice in the mountaintop, but we mature in the valley. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I know Ben, there's, there's a depth to Ben because of what he's had to walk through. Um, I don't wish that on anyone. So let's get back to the story of, of Mary Magdalene for a moment. Um, why did Jesus choose Mary? What, what was special? Right? He, we, we mentioned there was three women. Um, did you know that at, at that time uh, in, in culture of, of Jewish history, that women were not um, credible witnesses in court? Right? So, so if, you wanted, if you wanted to bring an eyewitness in a court, you couldn't bring a woman because they, they didn't count the woman's testimony as being valid. Um, they were discounted. So Jesus not only chose a woman, but, but he chose a woman with a past, right? He, he had other choices. If you want to choose a woman, don't choose the one that's got seven, you know, used to be demon-possessed by seven demons. But no, he, he chose that woman. He chose Mary. You know, and I know that we all can have that feeling of, oh, you know what, I, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And I don't do the things I know I should do, right? We all can have shame of, of past sin, of things in our past. Um, and we all can respond differently to that, right? You know, there's, there's many of us that, that our mistakes is what fuels us today to try to do better, to work harder, to, to be something different. There's many of us that, that our mistakes, they paralyze us. We're, we're not able to get out of our own way. We, we just are haunted by this. But, you know, whether you're fueled or you're paralyzed... Probably the one thing we have in common, you know, when we look at our past and, and the, the mistakes we have is, is those are the things we remember maybe in the middle of the night. Those are the things, those are the lies that come, you know, when it's quiet and, and we're being honest. We're like, oh, I can't get rid of that memories. You know, it, it just is there. And, you know, what's, what's telling about Mary is she sees Jesus, and Jesus tells her, go and tell my disciples. Like, he gives her instruction, go and tell my disciples. Now, like, if Jesus tells you to do something, don't you expect it's going to turn out great, 
right? You know, that she's going to be able to go and tell them and everything's going to be wonderful. They're going to rejoice. And, and we read that they didn't even believe her, right? How, like, oh, if there was ever a time that you'd start to doubt, you're like, God, why did you choose me? They didn't even believe me, God. Why, why me? And, and I, I'm supposed to give them this message. It's supposed to bring hope and they don't even believe me. So I believe Jesus chose Mary intentionally. It, it wasn't by accident because Jesus in his love and his grace not only chooses a Mary, he chooses each of us. Right? It doesn't matter what you've been through, what I've been. Jesus chooses us intentionally because he wants a relationship with us. And I, and I believe that's part of why he chose Mary to show us that. But as, as we look at what does it take for us to enter heaven, right? Have you ever heard the stories about, okay, when you get... Get in front of the pearly gates and uh, St. Peter says, why should, why should God let you in? What are you going to say? Right? And, and you know what I've always thought is that it's good works that get you into heaven, right? What we talked before, right? Can, can they be disqualified? Can, can the good things I do here on earth actually count for nothing when I get before the pearly gates? Like what, what would you say to St. Peter or whoever meets you? I, I don't know who meets you there. Maybe it's Jesus that meets you, but, but what would you say? Why should, should you be let in? You know, and this morning, this is a question that maybe you've had or maybe you've not had, but I want to ask it. What, what would allow you to enter into heaven? And I don't want to give you my opinion. I don't want to ask six different people because we may get six different answers. But I thought it would be worthwhile for just a few minutes anyway to look at what does God's word have to say about how do you get into heaven or not get into heaven? What is it that, can you be disqualified, right? That's the question that we're, we're talking about. So there's a scripture in Romans 3.23 that says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So let's just break that down for a minute, right? We all have sinned, everyone. I, I don't think there's anyone here that would say, okay, raise your hand if you're not a sinner, right? I don't think I'm going to see too many hands go up. Likely none. Because if you raise your hand, then you're a liar, right? <laughs> and you've already sinned. Um, so we've all sinned, but it says we all fall short of God's glorious standard. What's God's glorious standard? See, his glorious standard is holiness. It's perfection. That's why none of us can, can afford to even, like, we don't compare. I, I mean, maybe, maybe you do as much as Mother Teresa has done, but you know what? Even Mother Teresa is not perfect. She's got her moments. She's got her days. Right? So, so none of us can compare to God's glorious standard. We're all, in a sense, disqualified. And, and if you're here this morning, like, that's a problem. We're disqualified. We can't, get, we can't make it to heaven. We can't get to heaven. But yet God has a solution for that. And, and God's solution, it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it, right? So, so I can't take credit for, for doing good or paying it forward or, or helping someone across the street that's elderly. Like that, that doesn't go to my credit because then I would be able to boast and say, look at all the good things I've done. I've earned something, right? You can't earn this gift. You've got to receive this gift of salvation. And, and that's the way that, that God puts it. But frankly, it levels the playing field for all of us. Right? No matter how good or bad you are, how good or bad I am, we're all, we're all on the same playing field. We're all disqualified. And we all need to receive this gift of, of salvation that God offers us. So, so how does God offer this gift? It says, 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. What does that look like to believe? So for a moment, I want to just share this scripture that we find in in John 3.16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Right, So this is God's solution, that that God wanted to have a relationship with with you and I, sinful man. But God's standard is holiness. There's some way he's got to bridge that gap between our sin and his holiness. So he he sends his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and I to pay that price for our sin. That we could be atoned. Like in, in the Old Testament, you find many different times they had to sacrifice a lamb, a goat, a bull. Why? To, to pay for their sin with, with the shedding of blood. And Jesus dies on the cross once for all time. That his blood sacrifices for all of us. It paid for all of our sin. So what does it look like? It says, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We see this same word believe again. What does it mean to believe? How does it work? And, and the best description of how it works, I think, is found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Right? So this idea of believing in your heart, right? This is, this is where I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I, I know so many people, you know, when I, when I worked out in industry, no matter what the company, I could go to anyone practically in the lunchroom and say, hey, do you believe in God? And probably three quarters of them would give me a yes. Right? And, and this morning, I, I would venture a guess if I asked you, do you believe in God? You'd probably say yes. But is that the belief that it's talking about? Right? Is, is that the saving belief that I just have to believe in my heart that, that God raised Jesus from the dead and I'm going to be saved? Right? And, and there's actually more to that belief. Right? I, I want to tell a, a quick story here about what, is it, what does it mean, to this do you believe? Right? So a number of years ago, um, actually many years ago now, Meg and I took a trip to Niagara Falls. And I had heard about this story, but like internet was really not a thing, so I didn't have a great way to try to validate this story. So as we were there, I'm like, Meg, let's go into the gift shop, see if we can find a book that would tell something about this story. And the story I heard is this. Um, it was about a man in the 1860s, 1869, who, who crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope wire. Right? So we've seen recently someone do that, and it was televised and whatnot. But this is 1869. Someone stretches a tightrope wire across Niagara Falls, no net, and holds the long pole and actually walks across Niagara Falls. So he was hired to do that as a promotion and, and, and other people were hiring him. So like there was multiple times that he made this trip across uh, multiple days that, that he would walk across the tightrope wire. And, and it got to the point where he's like, I, I've got to sensationalize it a little bit more. What, what else can I do? So, so he would do different things to make it more sensational. And, and one of the times he asked his manager who was obviously, you know, seen him cross all these times, he asked his manager, do you believe that I can walk across Niagara Falls on the tightrope wire? And his manager says, of course I do. Like, I've seen you do it multiple times now. So he said, okay, if, if you believe that I can walk across, then I want you to get on my back and, and ride piggyback with me across the falls. Right, so this is what I was looking. This is the story I was looking to validate. And, and now you can go on the internet and validate it. I've got the book at home. But, but there's a picture of Blondin with his manager 
hugging him on his back, and they're walking across Niagara Falls. Now, when I ask you, okay, do you believe? Many of us, our belief is we're standing on the shore. Like, yes, Blondin, I believe that you can go across Niagara Falls. But that's not the belief that, that Jesus is asking us today when he's saying, do you believe that, when God says, do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? It, it's a belief that you're like, I'm going to give my life to this, right? The manager put his life on the line. I, I believe and I'm going to hang on. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life for you and I. And now our belief is not something that we can compartmentalize and say, I'll give you Sunday, I'll give you Wednesday night, but the rest of the week is mine. No, our belief is, God, I'm going to give you all of me. I'm going to give you my life. That I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to make you my Lord. See, the word of God says that when we have a belief like that, that we've given our life to him, that's how we have eternal life. It's not your good works. It's not, it's not getting there and trying to convince St. Peter of all the things you've done so right here on this earth. It's the fact that you believe. And you believe with your life. So the question I have this morning is, what is your belief like? Right? What disqualifies us isn't our past. What disqualifies us is our belief. Is your belief from the shore today? Or is your belief, I'm climbing on. I'm I'm. I'm going to go piggyback across the falls, so to speak, right? Because that's the belief that matters. And, and when we read in, in Romans 10, it says you've got to openly declare. Here's, here's the way I, I describe openly declare. Let's say a prayer together because prayer is how we talk to God and it's something we say out loud with our mouths, right? We're openly declaring it. It says also to believe in your heart, right? The believe in our heart is, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm not just giving you a Sunday, I'm not just going to call myself a Christian because I come to church. God, I'm going to give you my life. Right? And it's, it's as simple as starting, starting to, to walk in a different direction and saying, God, I'm going to now choose to go your, your path, not my path. Right? But it's not just a magic thing that happens when you say a simple prayer like, okay, if I say this prayer, then I'm going to heaven. Well, the prayer is the beginning of a journey. Right? And it's the journey that, that tells you, you know, it's the fruit of what happens in that journey that tell you, did something really happen in that prayer? Did, did you really give your life or did you just say words? But would you stand with me this morning as we consider this question? Where is your belief today? Are you standing on the shore? Or have you said to Jesus, no, I'm, I'm climbing on, on your back, Jesus. I'm going across the falls. Because if, if you've never made that decision to give your life to Jesus, I want to give you an invitation today. I want to invite you to put your hands in the hands of Almighty God that he would not only live in you, but he would live through you and you would give your life to him. And as I said before, we we say a prayer to to initiate that, to, to start that. I call it the sinner's prayer. Why? Because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. It says we're all sinners. But if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, I invite you today, pray with me here in a moment. You know, and and maybe you could say like Ben, hey, I remember a time, maybe I was three, I was four, I was 20, but but whatever the case may be, you've walked away from God, right? The way back to God is the same way you came to him initially. You say a prayer and say, God, you know what? I'm giving you my life all over again, God. I I want your forgiveness. And, And God is always there. See, he chooses you because he wants a relationship with you. It's not your past that would ever disqualify you. It's your belief that disqualifies you. So would you pray with me today? If if you've never prayed this prayer, just pray with me in your heart. Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. 
I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've done. And Lord, I do believe in Jesus. I do believe that he's risen from the dead. And I give you my life today, God. I I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life, to live in me, to live through me, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. God, help me not just to say this prayer and go on in the same direction, but help me, Lord, to, to continue in the path that you have for me, to follow your ways, to obey your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer this morning here or maybe online, and it's the first time you've prayed, it doesn't just end with a prayer. It's the beginning of a journey. I've got a book I'd like to give you. If you're here, if you're online, please go to email me at greg at shallowcommunity.church, and, and I will gladly send you this book. But it's important for you to take steps in your faith. That's how you know you're walking in a different direction. So I'd like to thank you all for being here this morning. Happy Easter. If you need prayer, please feel free to come forward afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. If you're online, you can call 782-7030, and we've got people ready to pray with you now. So God bless you all. Happy Easter. Have a great rest of your day.